Hello, and welcome to the Issue Podcast. My name is Craig. I am the Lawyer Craig on Instagram and Twitter. In this episode, we're going to talk about logic, and specifically about a certain type of logical fallacy that's becoming the foundation. A lot of revisionist COVID history cropping up lately in the media and on Twitter, and I'm going to use the recent study out of Iceland on kids uh, and COVID. So Iceland did a study on kids and COVID, and I'll go through that a little bit later. And I'm going to use that to walk you through how a lot of folks are using this faulty logic. But first, before we get to that, let's quickly talk about the current COVID situation, both in the U.S. and a little bit around the world. Starting with the U.S. and looking at the wastewater data. And I'm using wastewater now as a proxy for infections because it's doing a better job than cases because we're just not testing as much. So looking at wastewater, the U.S. is at the highest sustained level of infection compared to any other peak other than OG Omicron this past winter. It's higher than our first winter. It's higher than summer 2020. It's higher than Delta. And even the very, very initial wave, kind of that New York, New Jersey, and some West Coast wave, there was a single week where the wastewater data was higher than we have right now. But other than that, it was much lower. So our current wave is sustained and very high compared to every other wave that wasn't this past Omicron wave. Now, while other people hear this and think, oh no, I'm more optimistic. Why? Well, despite the infections higher than every pre-Omicron wave, severity metrics, they're nowhere near prior waves. Our first COVID winter, we saw ICU census peak at about 29,000. During Delta, I think it was around 26,000, maybe just under. Right now, we're less than 4,000, maybe 15% of those prior peaks. Deaths are a fraction of prior waves as well. Almost 2,000 deaths during Delta we saw at the the peak of the seven-day average. And that was pretty concentrated in just the South, in fact. Nearly 3,500 deaths was our peak during our first winter wave. What have we been lately? Generally between high 200s and mid 300s for the last two, two and a half months. They're just not comparable. Now, is that, you know, those numbers that we want to have forever sustained? Of course not. But we can't treat an infection today the same way we treated an infection last summer, the same way we would have treated an infection the winter prior. We just can't. The numbers mean different things. But so much of our national attention is still focused on those heat maps of cases. You guys know what I'm talking about, seeing it maybe on Twitter in the media, and they put up one of those old CDC maps that's pegged to some high or medium or low transmission metric based on some contrived set of weekly case counts that was formulated a couple years ago when the case to severity pipeline looked entirely different than it does right now. Entirely different. That's a mistake in my opinion. We're literally still trying to capture smoke somehow with our bare hands. We think we can contain it. And it's become a fool's errand at this point. There's also been a good bit of chatter trying to make BA5 into some kind of crazy severe variant. It isn't. At least there's no severity data from all the other countries ahead of us in their BA5 waves that shows it to me to be more worrisome from that perspective. South Africa was the first country through BA5 It had by far its smallest wave in terms of severe patients, patients in the ICU. Most of the European countries are ahead of us on the BA5 curve. If you look at their severe metrics, they pale in comparison to prior waves. So I I don't know where 
I don't know where this theme is coming through that watch out for BA5. Again, unless we're counting noses, unless we're catching smoke. And I think that's what it is. We're looking at case numbers and saying more cases are always bad. Well, sure, compared to less cases, all things equal, I'll take less. But all things aren't equal. That's what we've been trying to say. And by the way, BA5 is already overwhelmingly dominant in the U.S. We're talking about 80% plus now, BA5 plus 4, mostly 5, but 4 is in that mix as well. So it's here. The sphere metrics, they're not doing anything special yet compared to our current infection rates. Okay, at the beginning, I said I wanted to talk logic, specifically faulty logic that crops up so often in the COVID discourse. And to do it, I'm going to pull on a thread from a recent study out of Iceland on COVID and kids there. So let's go over that study. The, the, the study's titled, and I'm looking at it right now, SARS-CoV-2 Infections in Icelandic Children, Close Follow-Up of All Confirmed Cases in a Nationwide Study. It's in the Pediatric Infectious Disease Journal, and it's dated July 8th, 2022. So a recent study. Okay, so this study essentially followed and followed up on every child who got COVID in the first three waves in Iceland. 1,749 children infected with SARS-CoV-2 in the first three waves, going from February of 2020, boom, right at the outset, all the way through the end of August 2021. So it captures the Delta wave as well. <clears throat> and they followed up through telephone consults for several days after the infection, registered symptoms, severity, length, all of that stuff. And I'll, I'll, let's talk about a couple of results, and then I'll talk about the thread that I'm going to pull on to talk about the logic issue that people, I think, are messing up. So the results, all the waves had similar disease severity. There was a lot more incidence in the Delta wave, but the severity was about the same that they found across the waves for children. No children were hospitalized. Not a single child out of 1,749 in Iceland was hospitalized due to COVID. 19 of them didn't need medical attention of the 1,749. There were about, oh, one in five that were asymptomatic, about 74% had mild symptoms, and a little less than 5% had moderate symptoms. That was the breakdown of what they found following up on all these children who had COVID during the first three waves of the pandemic. One big takeaway from this is that 12.5% of the kids who got COVID because they try to determine how they got it too. So 12.5% of them got it from school. One in eight. On the other hand, 65% of the kids who got infected got infected at home. Someone at home passed it to them. And this is the thread I want to pull on. And, and this is where people would veer one of two ways, either in the media or certainly on Twitter. And it's this. I look at that 12.5% and I think, that's low. Given the amount of time that children spend in school in a given week, for only one, of, one out of eight of them, of the ones who caught it, that was where they caught it compared to 65% at home. That's a low number. Other people look at the 12.5% and they say, that's what we need to eliminate. In 2020, that's what we tried to eliminate, whatever that percent was, by pulling them out of school, by doing virtual school, by staring at a screen, or going hybrid in 2021. 
and they try to eliminate the 12.5%. And here's the fallacy there. And I used to, exp- I never know what the logical fallacy names are. There's people that, you know, go through the Wikipedia pages and they're like, that's the this fallacy. I, you know, you know the straw man fallacy. I, I know some of them, but I don't know the name for this fallacy, but it is rampant. And I've explained it to people. I used to tutor uh, a couple standardized test type things. And I used to have an example I would always use for presence and absence of something. And so I'll just call it presence and absence. And the example is, I would say, on Wednesdays, the trash guy comes by, the trash truck, and they take out the trash. And then I'd ask the person, I'd say, it's Tuesday. Does the trash man come? And the the triggered answer is usually, well, no, you said he comes on Wednesday. And I said, I sure did. I have no bloody idea whether he comes on Tuesday. Neither do you. You have no idea. All you know is he comes on Wednesday. And so, you know, this part of this comes up in the LSAT for those of you lawyers who've dealt with some of this. You only know what you know. All you knew was that the trash man comes on Wednesday. Didn't tell you anything about anything else. And and here's the comparison. You look at the 12.5% and you said, well, if those kids weren't in school, they would be in Where? Where would they be? In a place called not school? That doesn't exist. The The opposite of school is not not school. It is another physical place. <laughs> and so that 12, 12.5%, you know, the school transmission, you don't necessarily eliminate that by shifting the physical location of people and gatherings. You need to, you need to know what that looks like. You need to know if the trash man comes on Tuesday or Monday or three times on Monday. If you're replacing school with not school and not school is something that you know involves kids and adults together or a bunch of kids together in a smaller room or who knows what, then it might be worse. Could be the same, could be a little better. I don't know. But we have this binary thought process where we think if we remove this thing then the bad stuff associated with this thing, in this case in-person school, go away. That's just not the case. Trade-offs, right? Trade-offs. You don't get to just pick one thing and, and the rest of the world isn't a hermetically sealed bubble. Okay, the opposite of school, let's put it that way, the opposite of in-person school is not a hermetically sealed bubble. And the opposite of in-person school may in fact be worse for a whole host of people who aren't maybe a little more well-off and organized and multi-parent and other folks who can help out and whatever have you. Why do I bring up this logical fallacy? The reason is it's somewhat of a foundation, kind of a linchpin of a renewed effort or continued effort maybe, to retrofit the narrative going back to early 2020 of who was for what and when, who was for in-person school and when, who was for closing beaches and closing outside and chaining up parks and going hybrid longer and test and trace quarantining for 10 days versus 5 days versus 14 days versus let's just make the whole school hybrid because cases are rising 
there's a number. Depending on where you live, everything could be different. But there's a number of people who are now, you know, trying to be on the side of the angels, whatever you think the angels are. <clears throat> I mean, almost no one I'll note is on the side of, yeah, 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 I was for closing schools. It was always the right decision and we should have never opened them. In fact, we still should be going in, you know, to, to online school. <laughs> I think that ship is almost completely sailed. There's a lot of people like, no, 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 I was always for open schools. As long as we could do it safely. As long as we could do it right and safely. And so that's, you know, to me, that's an entire, that's obviously a cop-out. Uh, because their definition of safe would have been case rates that were probably unattainable with any kind of normal goings-on of society. And so, you know, that you know, I was always for open school as long as you did everything I said. Every kid wore masks from the age of two up and we did it safely. Well, then you're not for open school. You know, I don't know what to tell you. That's a different thing. You're for if everything, you know, every, everyone's for if everything's going perfect, let's do things. I mean, that's essentially what you're saying. Hey, look, if it's a beautiful, bright, happy, sunny day in the meadow, I'm, I'm all for going outside. Well, yeah, so is everybody. We like that. You know, what's your decision going to be when the data are murky and when people are coming out with the pitchforks from either side? you got to take a position. But maybe the ones with a little more political sway or a little more cachet or a little bit more in the right circles were on the let's not do so much school side. Maybe they were set up at home. Maybe they were just overly scared. Maybe the media made them that way. I don't know. Wherever you are and whatever you're trying to argue, just don't argue from a fallacious perspective that the opposite of something means nothing of that something. Okay? The garbage man comes on Wednesday and that's all you know, then that's all you know. You don't know if the garbage man comes on Tuesday. If you know that, if you know eight kids that caught COVID from school, well, that's all you know. You don't know if school had not been in person during that time and the reorientation of society around that and everything that everyone had to do and people who put their kids in pods in you know, nice urban areas and paid a couple grand to have them set up in a nice... You don't know if there would have been transmission there. You have no idea if the opposite of this bad thing that happened is other bad things would have happened, more bad things would have happened, or less bad things would have happened. You don't know. Quit pretending you know. It's a logical fallacy. It doesn't make any sense if you actually sit and think about it. Okay, that is all for this episode. Again, my name is Craig. I'm the Lawyer Craig on social media. So go give me a follow on Instagram or Twitter if you don't already. Feel free to reach out and say hi as well. Shoot me a DM. Thank you so much for listening to the issue. Thank you.